At Sport Clips Haircuts, they hairdo like no one else hair does. That's because not only is it the home of the champion haircuts, but they also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. With the MVP haircut experience, your haircut gets turned up a notch. That's because the MVP is more than just a haircut. It's a spa day for your hair follicles. It's a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on TV. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, I'm Big J Okerson. And I'm Dan Soder. And you're listening to the best of the bonfire. Stay tuned to hear some of our favorite moments from this week. You can listen to the bonfire live every Monday through Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. on Comedy Central Radio, Sirius XM 95, or on demand on the Sirius XM app. Also, be sure to follow us on all social media at The Bonfire SXM. Hey, Crackle Crackle campers, it's the Black Tiger, Black King, Black Blue, and welcome to The Bonfire's Best of the Week. And let me tell you, it was a great week of special guests, culminating with Dan and Jay meeting one of their longtime heroes, Method Man. But first, Colin Quinn joined us and talked about being a guest of Sylvester Stallone on the set of Copland. Colin, can you please tell Jay... The Harvey Keitel Copland story that you told me while we were filming this show. Oh, that was when uh, Stallone, when Stallone was the host of the of at SNL. So we had to go meet him in Jersey, you know, and yeah. pitch ideas to him, you know. And so they were shooting Copland, but we didn't know what Copland, you know. And then they took us to this warehouse where he was shooting, and he was the nicest guy. Stallone's the greatest guy, funny guy for a guy that's that famous, not crazy. I'm sure he's crazy, but sure. I mean. With a, totally down to earth. But he goes, you want to watch the thing? We go, yeah. So we end up watching, and it's the intense scene where they're all in a circle at the bar or in the back room somewhere. It's like the most intense scene in Copland, you know, for what yeah. that's worth. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly Copland became LA Confidential in the past 10 years. <laughs> but anyway, and then um, – and then – and then they just, Harvey Keitel's looking, I'm going, boy, I'm thinking in my head, this guy's a real actor because I feel like he's staring me down and he wants to kill me right now. And then in the middle of the scene, I don't know if this was in the script. I don't think it was. He goes, excuse me, who's this in my eyeline right here? Will somebody tell this guy to get out of my eyeline? I don't want to depress anybody. And he went to this whole speech about somebody in his eye line. Well, it wasn't in the script. He was talking to me. And then, <laughs> and then Ray Liotta jumps on the bandwagon. He's in the scene too, Ray Liotta. Yeah. I mean, these guys are like my, you know, as, if I had any <laughs> idols in acting, it would be these guys. Yeah. And they both turned on me. And then Stallone's like, you fucking talk to my friends like that. They'll stay here if you want. Because uh, they're like, could you get him out of here? Like they basically kick us out. So like, Fuck it. And are you are you watching? Are you did you not get it at first and start? And no, were you watching, were, I'm saying, were you watching and smiling while he's defending you? You don't even I know he goes. Smi- yeah, I'm I wasn't saying, like, smiling. Stallone's I'm just, defending you, and like you don't even know it's you. He's talking about. He goes, man, I wonder who the hell this guy is. Or <laughs> no, no, then about. No, I knew because we were the only ones in there. Oh, <laughs> we weren't God. part of the crew. Oh, but I mean, God. I knew about. When he said eyeline, I was like, uh oh, wait a minute. You know I mean? And then he just kept staring right at me and just and then 
I never saw him since then. Thank God. For, lucky for him. I, <laughs> about three years ago, yeah, I lived downtown, and I'm walking on the street, and Harvey Keitel's walking by me. So I stop and look. I forgot about the incident. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm looking at him standing, and he's just got that look like some asshole is staring at me. Yeah. You know that I don't. You know uh-huh. I don't. I don't want someone. But then you never you never know if somewhere in the back of their their sense memory they remember they don't like you from somewhere. They don't know where. <laughs> yeah. One time I got I bombed for Joan Jett. This is ex- and this time I know it was in the back of her sense memory. It's the exact, I bombed, they hired me at the Ritz. It was my first New Year's Eve gig, 1986 or 85. New Year's Eve, opening for Joan Jett at the Ritz, which is what Webster Hall used to be called. It was called the Ritz on 13. So it's like a big deal. I'm going to get 500 bucks, 500 bucks, which I should have got beforehand because they never paid me. And here's why. So I'm opening for Joan Jett. I come there, it's all these Joan Jett kids, like 14-year-old, like runaway girls, all Everybody's drinking. The Ritz is just a pit. And they go, here's how they introduce me. The lights go down. Everybody goes crazy. Please welcome. They think it's Joan Jett, a comedian, Colin Quinn. I come out. People are like, what? What's going on here? They don't even know. They didn't even hear what they said. Nobody's doing comedy at shows in those. It was just starting, you know? Yeah. I, uh, so I'm rambling, you know, just doing my thing. No, it takes a minute. They're like, oh, this guy's trying to be funny. Boo. I'm going, fuck you. They start, I go, fuck you too. They throw bo- Molson bottles at me. I'm ducking Molson bottles. It's 1986. Molson's still at the Ritz. So then, I mean, it's getting ugly. So it's, it causes such a ruckus. The balcony, which is where the dressing rooms are, a light pops on the balcony. Who comes out on the balcony? Joan Jett. Oh, she looks man. like this. Looks at the crowd, looks at me, and goes like this. And walks oh, back man. in. Like, uh, you know, like like Caligula's wife or somebody. Yeah, yeah. She, she, gave, she gave you the Roman thumbs down. Yeah, and then they really turned. Ah, fuck you. And then, so then like three years ago, I'm doing a benefit for a rock and roll thing. So it's really cool. Like Springsteen's there. I do my Springsteen attack and him joke. The who that. is the, the who is there, right? Wow. So I go on and I do my set. And as I'm, you know, and I did good. But it's like an inside thing. It's like a thousand people, you know, paid all this money to see the Who up close in like some. Yeah. It's not even a theater. They set up chairs. It's like Midtown. I can't remember where. But anyway, as I'm leaving, who's going on right after me to do a Who song? They're all doing Who tribute songs. Is Joan Jett, and she passes me and just gives me a look. And in the back of my mind, I know she's saying, I know this asshole from somewhere. <laughs> and then she goes on stage and she goes, hey, I'm ready to do a song. I'm not some comedian. I'm going to do some music for you. And I was like, she remembers. Somewhere in her mind's eye, she yeah. remembers that fateful night. Meanwhile, I'm the one that should be pissed. Yeah, absolutely. She could have given you like the, the nod. It would have helped. Honestly, Colin, the same show. I'm willing to help you get that money that you were never paid with juice. <laughs> yeah. and But she wouldn't be Joan Jett if she had come out on the balcony and said, Hey, come on, give the guy a break. Yeah. Is that really the Joan Jet move? I don't know when your base demo is runaway girls. I don't know if you have a forgiving <laughs> element to your fucking personality. Yeah. Well, now she has like wide mass bath, wide mouth bass lips. Yeah. She looks and like some w- kind of weird, crazy face. She so. looks like one of those singing oh, really? fish on the wall. Fuck her, you. Yeah, she looks like a Billy Bass. 
Like the big, big Burger King commercial. <laughs> yeah. She's the whaler. She's, uh, yeah, jo- I've heard a few unpleasant things about Joan Jett. It's funny. At least she got the introduction. That was the funniest thing about when I did the uh, tours with the rock bands was when it was just my time to go out. Like, there is, you know, all bands have some sort of, like, you know, sm- smoke and intro. I just got to grab a mic and go, mm, hey, everybody. Uh, What's this guy up front's fucking problem? Oh, <laughs> like, man. You know, I start talking and just start doing like, hey, everyone, so I'm a comedian. Uh, you guys oh. had a good time so far? I'd have to do all that stuff like just to give oh, like no. some sort of call and response. And then, But for sure, most people think that I'm uh, just I'm- a roadie, a fat roadie who grabbed a mic and tried to be funny. But what's right. great is it still exists on YouTube. I may have said this to you recently too, but there's people who are filming me. There's some videos of me on those tours up on YouTube, but it's someone filming me from like the lawn. And yeah. what's, what's great is when you're on stage in those big situations too, if half the people that are there laugh, it sounds like enormous because there's so many yeah. people there. But on the lawn, you can really hear how isolated. It's just this guy filming me from the lawn far away. You hear my voice distant in the background and just to hear the cadence <laughs> of punchline and it's like punchline, punchline. All the people around him doing something else, and you just hear him go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> like just the one guy getting it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Here, Dan, Jay, and Colin discuss comedians who sell their own merch after a show. Colin, earlier in the show, we were yeah. talking about uh, merch, selling merch after shows. Yeah. And we were talking about the kind of people... Who, like, I've had so many people on the road that I've seen that it will sell merch com- completely unrelated even to their comedy. It's just stuff they think they can sell. <laughs> like, you know, they do a comedy set and then they do, and then they sell like Chinese finger traps or something at the end. Things that make no sense. Uh, but uh, we were saying through time, or, or, or the obvious, like, you know, the, the t shirt that has that one joke that you closed on or whatever. Yes, but, yes. But I was saying, you must, in your career, have seen some, what's the most bizarre merch you've ever seen or just most laughably, or have you ever had to, I mean, I, I, I was lucky enough to come up in the time where that back table to seller was a thing still, and it was, uh, and you guys would rip each other apart, myself included. And uh, does it, was there anybody you laughed out of merch ever? I know you've laughed people out of headshots. I watched that happen. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll reference you to Keith Pudgem, Pudgem Robinson. <laughs> yes. And we tried to laugh. Remember, we all, I thought we beat Patrice out of that uh, pendant with his microphone, but it didn't work. He kept wearing it anyway. <laughs> oh. oh. The microphone. Was there, was there anybody that you found out was selling merch, like, and they tried yeah, to hide from? I the- remember one guy in the 80s that was selling merch, and I forget the catchphrase, but the catchphrase was basically about uh, like if you be, like being the victim of traumatic attacks, like, <laughs> like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't punchy, and it was. I was just like, that's crazy, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> it's just like, and nobody man. sold merch in those days, you know. Yeah, so coming out thing. with coming out with a I got molested T-shirt after your thirty minutes set. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it was crazy, but yeah, it's always it's always. I mean, merch is such a big thing. I tell you, my favorite is uh, is uh, DePaulo. My favorite merch-related story. He was on the road and he goes, he was bullying the middle act the whole weekend. They were in a condo <laughs> together, yeah. and at the end of the weekend, the kid go, Nick goes, yeah, that's right, because guess what? You're the middle. I'm the headliner. And the kid goes, you're not a headliner. 
you're a closer, but you're no headliner. Whoa. And then Nick goes, yeah, who do you call a headliner? Rodney Carrington? And he goes, he did 30,000 in T-shirts alone last year. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to measure comedians. You go, yep. <laughs> yeah, well, what you don't know is, is he had, he sold his own calendars. And you know how much yep. he got? 20 grand. I can't. Yeah. I can't. I brought T-shirts. I've told this on here before, but I brought T-shirts one time to Edmonton, Canada. So just first of all, lugging this box of multiple size T-shirts to sell. And they go, so, and I stood back behind this bar at the end of the show, feeling like an asshole, even just doing it. Like, all of a sudden, I'm running a, a fucking merch booth. And yeah. uh, the first guy came up and asked me for two shirts. I said, $40. He handed me a credit card. This is before Square and all those things where you could take credit right. cards. I go, oh, I don't have a credit card uh, machine at all, but they put me up you know, next to the ATM here on purpose. And he just looked at the ATM machine. He looked back at me while he tapped his card on the table and just really gave it a good think. Yeah. And then after about like 20 seconds, he goes, nah, he just left. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I can't put myself through the humiliation of it. Yeah. Especially doing it. Like if I sold merch now, I'd probably do all right in merch because there's like fans coming to the show. But that's why I'm so I'm blown away by people who just sell merch. just just like road dogs who go to like the clubs where they're not really drawing. It's just an audience who comes to this place and then trying to sell them the shirt. You really design something with your heart and then someone just puts it in a junk drawer in their house, really. Yeah, but I mean, once every middle had merch too. Like I've gone on the road and the middles are like, do you mind if I sell merch after the show? And I'm like, yeah, I guess it's fine. But, you know, I I say fine always. There's something wrong with it. But, you know, I had a weekend in Florida where the middle told me how much money he made for merch and it was more than I got paid headlining. And I was like, (laughs) I just I couldn't tell him that I had to wear it like it was the worst poker face because he goes, man, can you believe that I made over fourteen hundred dollars in merch sales alone? And I went, wow. Wow. Yeah, they come with like a movie wad. Yeah, I was like, oh, wow, wow, I barely could get here. I buy these Chinese finger traps at wholesale, and I sell them yeah. for $5 a pop. Colin, did, 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 you ever, did you ever have merch? No, I never did. I mean, I've had, like, after my shows off-Broadway, they'd sell, like, merch, but I never, I would never, uh, you know, lower myself, even though I was like, <laughs> ooh, I wonder how they did. But it was mostly <laughs> paying back... But mostly the theater would make the money. I don't even think I make money off that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with, was there anyone at the back table at the seller that you found out was selling merch in a way that like they were trying to hide it from you guys? Sounds like a Bobby Kelly thing, something Bobby Kelly no, would do. Oh, I guarantee. But I mean, Voss is the master of selling merch because he will, you know, he could be sitting, if he had an audience with the Queen of England, he'd be like, Voss.com, Voss Roast, yeah. I got t-shirts. <laughs> You know, so I, he just doesn't even flinch. And that's, if you're going to sell merch, that's how you should do it. No apologies. I can't, I can't believe I would even overlook Voss like that. When I first moved to the city and was trying to get check spots at Stand Up New York, between shows, I would watch Voss sit outside with his CDs. His hands are, yeah. perfectly, his hands are perfectly sized to fan out four CDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're perfectly sized for it. Well, um, I mean, I've known Voss forever. And I'm still shocked that he has like eight eight different uh, CDs. Yeah, maybe it's just different album covers. It's just the same album, <laughs> just with four different titles. Yeah, hey, yeah, that's all different stuff. Bobby, when I opened for Bobby, 
he was selling merch and he would do the thing of he would do the thing of Bobby of being nice and jovial and fun until it was time for business and he'd be like where were you I need you to sell shirts and I was like I didn't know I was signing up for that I didn't know he goes you're on my you're on my podcast dude you gotta help me sell all right listen. I brought Christine with me one time. I was going to sell some CDs after the show, and I brought Christine. And while Christine is a, she could be a motherfucker when she's producing something of organizing and shuffling people around and telling them firmly where they have to go. I was like, "Could you sell these?" And then like two people I saw walk up and goes, "What's that?" And she's went, "I, I don't know." She she just panicked, and I was like, "Well, that's not going to help at all." Well, well, Bob Levy used to have his wife. Stand in the back when I worked with Bob Levy a few times, mm-hmm. and he had his his wife would stand in the back, and in the middle of his set, he'd stop the show and go, "Listen, I'm not doing one more joke until they I sell two fucking CDs. I'm not doing another joke. Two people from this crowd walk over and buy a CD right now, and I'm not doing a joke until they do. And two people would get up and walk over and buy a CD. That is crazy to hold an audience hostage like that. Goes, All right, That's everybody, right. now now you earned it. I'm going to suck dressing out of this girl's asshole. (laughs) Now it's time for me to eat blue cheese out of a butt. You guys have bought enough. You guys guys did your part. Now I'll do mine. I can't imagine having the confidence of being on stage at a helium and being like, sorry, everyone. You don't get another voice (laughs) until you've bought two of my extra large T-shirts. Oh, yeah. And he said it. He didn't say it. Sorry. He said, hey, 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 hey. This is what's going to happen right now. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, that is so fucking crazy to be able to stop down a show to sell your own CD, to sell a show with them. But that's, to me, that personality is part of comedy. It's like you can't flinch. Like, one thing, you can't ever flinch. You just got to, you know what I mean? Yeah, or they're going to take you as the sucker. If you flinch, they're going to take your money. Yeah, That really is a fucking carny Fucking, we, are, we really are a bunch of carnies. Just going we, are in a low, we are in a low-life business. Porn royalty Ginger Lynn and Christy Canyon were our guests. After mentioning some of their Hollywood hookups, Ginger gave us a bonfire exclusive about meeting a Hollywood legend. Oh, did she meet him. Uh, Ginger, you were about to, before you got cut off, you were about to tell us you banged Jamie Conn? <laughs> no, I did, I did not bang Jamie Conn. Even better. Oh, no. I don't know, but she's put her head in her hands twice now. This is uh oh. I I recognize I recognize that face. It was Scott Con. (laughs) Do you know the story, Christy? Yes, I love the story. Should I I tell it? Yes, it's better than banging, Ginger. All right, yeah. All right. So, a friend of mine that is like a. A C girl. There's A, B, and C girls in the adult industry. Christy and I were the A girls. They were just different classes of girls. Can and you give me an example? Girl. Can you give me an example name of a C girl? Would a Taja Ray, perhaps? No, she would be more like a B girl. Lori Smith is is a C girl. Okay. And Lori Smith invited me over to uh, Jimmy's house, and so I I said, yeah, let's go. And I remember driving. Stone Canyon Road, I, I believe. And we drove up and we went out back and it was just she and I and I didn't see him when I walked in the house. I walked through the house out by the pool. We both had brought our bathing suits. Neither of us wore our bathing suits. We were just laying out in the sun naked. There was chairs with towels. And 
James comes out, and I'm 20 years old, 21 years old, and he tells me to get on my hands and knees. Now, this is James fucking Khan. Yeah, I'm going, sure. Oh my God, okay. So I tell me, I, <laughs> this is James Khan. So I get on my hands and knees, and he spreads my ass apart so that my asshole is exposed. And he, somehow he manages, he takes a pipe, he takes a hit off of it, then he spreads my asshole, he blows the smoke into my butt, and then has me fart it back into his face. <laughs> that is the coolest story I've ever heard in my life. That is the coolest story I've ever heard in my life. That is the coolest story I've ever heard of. Dude, d did you just tell us that James Conn fucking rules? He fucking, does. Holy shit. Can I tell you something? A lot of people that hear this are going to judge him for this. And I'll tell you what, that that was like me seeing, you ever hear like those like celebrities, they're just like us things? I go, I want to see. I want to I want to blow smoke into a girl's butthole and see if she could fart it out. I get Dude, it. are you are you kidding me? A butt bong with a smoking hot blonde at your pool? Dude, totally. Well, now I'm, uh, man, that is so fucking cool. I'm impressed. I'm impressed with the lung power to forcibly, like, you got to blow hard to get it in your asshole to have it farted back yeah, out. Yeah, dude. James Conn's got some fucking pipes on him. I'm telling you, the whole process, the whole ordeal, the whole, it was just amazing to me. I was, I was in awe because it was James Conn. I was going, this is fucking hot in a way. It's. <laughs> Popped up, but it's kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, Ginger, can I, I ask a, can I ask a question real quick, Ginger? Uh, did you get high from holding the weed smoke in your butt for that long? Um, oh, it was a pipe, uh, right? Just a regular old tobacco pipe. Sure. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, um, shit. hell yeah, dude! James Con is the man. That's it. November seventeenth is James Con Day. Everyone, we celebrate James Conn on November seventeenth. He blew crack up your ass. No. Yes. Yeah. He did. <laughs> yes. It was what? Hell yeah. Yes, he did. He's the man. Did you road runner out of there after you? If I were you like me, me. He's No, I hung out like for the rest of the day into the evening uh, until he sent a car for me, and I I went home. Damn. And then by the next day, and the, and the next day you were out, the next day you were out trying to sell things so you can get, uh, so your asshole can get more crack. <laughs> no, I didn't do the crack. It was I. Uh, I, I don't think I. I, got, I know I, I was drinking, but I, I didn't yeah. do the crack. Oh, you guys can't party. With, like... You guys can't part. You guys can't hang with Christine. Then she's straight cracker. That's or nothing else. <laughs> One quick question. Just another person. You guys, either one of you have any uh, Corey Feldman oh. stories? Corey Feldman? I met him through you, Ginger. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, All right. We're not going anywhere yet. God damn it. My fun Corey story is um, I used to be really good friends with Cam Sam Kinison. Okay. And Sam was playing in Vegas, and he called me and said, come to Vegas. I'll send a limo for you. And I'm like, my grandma's here. I really can't do it. He's like, oh, come on, I'll get Corey to come with you. And I'm like, all right, if Corey goes, me and my grandma will go. So we get in the limo. It's all me, my grandma, and Corey. <laughs> and 
Me, my grandma, Corey. What a what a squad going to see Sam Kennison in Vegas. <laughs> and Corey brought the, this bond that was half the size that he of, that he was into the into the limo with us and talked my grandma into doing bongs. I had my grandma doing. She probably did three or four bongs on the way to Vegas. <laughs> it was so high when we got there. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's DJ Lou again. On the Quarantine Laws tapes, the guys finished out the show with guests Sal Volcano, Staten Island, and also from there, Method Man. When you started having like mainstream crossover uh, success like musically and you started getting noticed, I, I correlate this to, I was on a plane one time in the same row, I was with RZA, was on the plane also. And I remember just being there like, whoa, I wasn't, next to him at all but i was like i had this whole flight we we're flying back i think i was i was doing shows at comic-con so like, right. uh, that's what it was he was flying back from comic-con at uh, both of us back to new york and we landed and then my whole way i'm like i'm gonna say something to him like i'm gonna say like you know what a big fan i am and and as i'm waiting at, i'm waiting at um baggage claim i see i think his uh chick came to pick him up and kids i believe they were yeah. waiting for him down there yeah. And uh, they're all down there. And then this short, fat, bald, white guy was just, you could just see Riza having like the, oh, cool, man, thank you very much. But the guy just kept going like, uh, I'll tell you what, Hell's Wind yeah. Staff is a very underrated song. It didn't get to play it this And the guy's like, uh, and, it's just like, and it's just like a fat guy wearing like, you know, like dress clothes on a Sunday, like that kind of guy. And I was like, man, did you ever think that's where your, your, your music would like, would hit? <laughs> so out of context of what you'd assume would be like sitting there, like pumping their fists at a, at a concert with just this little goofy I, guy. I was in an airport in Germany, guy, white haired old guy with his granddaughter. And they're looking, looking. And I'm like, oh, here comes the bull crap. I don't know what they're looking for. So he comes over. I'm like, he's going to ask me if I'm a basketball player. He comes over. <laughs> he says, I was just telling my granddaughter who you were and how great Wu Tang is. And I'm looking at this guy like, wow, old gray haired white man. And I was like, you know what? There's no boundaries to who this music can touch or how it touches them, man. And that right there just made that made my day right there. Man. <laughs> His granddaughter. Yeah. Come on. He's like Come on, he's like he's letting her know that Wu Tang is for the kids. That shows, up, that, show, that, that shows the longevity. Oh, shit. I can't believe we forgot to bring this up, too, Dan. We went, saw our studios are right over there in Rockefeller Center. And after yeah. after work one day, we had all got tickets. We went over to see the Loud 25 show you guys did at uh, Radio oh, City. And I took, yeah. a video, I took a video of the stage to make me laugh so hard. that First of all, Steve Rifkin, right, is the main guy over there. So... Having everybody like say his name and pay homage to, to, to a guy. We're getting just like an old white guy sitting there. And when you guys did, I want to say it was Triumph. I don't know if he sent his nieces or his daughters there to the front of the stage. <laughs> watching you guys, watching you guys navigate around these like awkward like white teenagers who might not have even known your music that much. Like they were just man, it made me laugh till we fell in our seats. <laughs> This is the beauty of Wu Tang. We had no idea they was bringing those girls out. I don't know who the girls were, where they came from, why they was there. Even my wife saw it. It was like, who's them bitches? <laughs> <laughs> watching uh, 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 Joe's face. 
Ghost, yeah, Ghost was wearing the wearing the biggest <laughs> fur jacket. That coat was the MVP of the night. That coat yeah, had a better yes. performance than all of them. <laughs> him, but him trying yeah. to navigate. Well, I have a video of him walking, like turning around while he's like doing his verse, and like he has to like move around like a white girl. Who, <laughs> her father told her to go to the front of the stage. <laughs> I was like, go dance in front of the Wu Tang Clan. And they're like, okay. They did. Hey, and, and they all had one move. That's. <laughs> we were laughing so hard, wondering if you if it was pissing you guys off at all. Just that these girls. Yeah, I was like, I'm a cosmic professional. I was pissed. I was pissed. I was pissed. I was away from the bull crap. God damn it. See Rifkin move. That's probably a RZA move. He probably got an endorsement, yeah. and they said they look leases out there and shit. God bless them all, though, man. God, good, good job, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I love how you are. Right at the end, you come back around and you give it a good <laughs> like, I was pissed. I was pissed. I was just, but you know what? At the end of the day, God bless her. <laughs> God bless. Ladies, you did a good job. We just had no idea. <laughs> That's a, one of my favorite yeah, things to do at any Wu show. At any at any Wu show, there's always like, well, maybe not the last tour. I was actually, you guys actually had more actual like stage choreography than I like. You had places, but like usually it's like <laughs> the game is who is on stage right now. <laughs> yeah. I've never like, been more. I've never been more confused. I think I want to say it was 90, not, 99 maybe. I went to yeah. Camden, Camden, the amphitheater out there. So yeah. I'm from Philly, so like we went down and watched you guys with Rage Against the Machine. We went solely uh, for you guys and. It was like 75 guys on stage, and then when the verse would change, just a new person would squirt out of the pocket. <laughs> and, be, oh, yeah. and, and you, and you, a, a person in the front row, what I just remember there was you were wearing the uh, the snap side NBA warm-up pants, and someone yeah. was just ripping them constantly. Like you just keep you, you oh, yeah, you're, 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 you're trying to wrap and like hold your like pants together. <laughs> please, please, everybody. When you guys did Rock the Bells up in Long Island, I, I think it was Jones Beach, I had like second row center and you, you came out when, when uh, I think you and Red came out and you, you, you did this thing. I, I went like a few days in a row and you would, you would walk on the crowd's hands. Yeah. You step up yeah. into the crowd, and we had. I mean, I held. I, I I was one of the people who held you up. I'm just letting you know. You know, like <laughs> just, you know, I was helping the show. I, you didn't know, but I was helping the show out. You know. <laughs> and, and for the record, I started that shit. I started yeah. thing. All these rappers started copying that shit because that's how fly it was. Get in, yeah. How nerve-wracking yeah. is it, though, to walk on people? I feel like I would be deer-legged the whole time, just like, don't, don't drop me. Don't drop me. Nah, I just don't want to be the person that's in the crowd because they're so stuffed together. They can't even move, so I have yeah. to take advantage of it. No, you for sure. I mean? but I'll tell you what. It's also you, – you also have to have some self-awareness. Like, at the, at the time especially, you're like a tall, thin guy. Like, you didn't see Ray Kwong yeah. doing hand walks through the audience. Which <laughs> 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 is the same. I'm the Ray Kwong of all of my friend groups. And I'm also would never crowd dive or crowd surf. I think he did one time I saw Ray crowd surf in Bensonhurst. Oh. Of all places. What? <laughs> now, now, I did crowd Everybody surf once. I did crowd surf one time at our comedy festival we did when we did like a, like a rock show. I crowd surfed one, and I'll tell you what, as a fat guy, when I got back to that stage, 
it, it was the most invigorating. I might as well have skydived. I was like, oh, <laughs> people were holding me up. I couldn't believe it happened. I just elated. I could, I've never been so happy in my life. It was it was like one of those videos of watching when they give like a kid a ear, you know, like they give uh, someone hears for the first time. And like, <laughs> yeah. Jay was like, Jay was like, I, could, Jay I, was like, said, I can no, no, fly. I love, those. No, 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 I love those right there. I, oh, those, oh, trust me. I go. I've gone through every one of those. I've gone through every one of those. Or when they put on the glasses and they can see color for the first time. Come on, if that doesn't make your chest tight, you're, you're a real psycho. I'm not crying. You crying? Yeah. Hope you enjoyed this week's best of the bonfire. You can listen to the show live every Monday through Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. East on Comedy Central Radio, Sirius XM 95, or on demand on the Sirius XM app. Be sure to follow us on all social media at The Bonfire SXM. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, and bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and nada yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.